Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and the CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. And I always welcome you to connect me on LinkedIn. Today we have Dennis Su on the show with me, and he is a Seattle architect with strong tie with China's rural schools. We are going to talk about Dennis's observation and involvement on education environment in rural China. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Hi, everybody. Can you start with a? Introduction about yourself, who you are, what you've done for those years. Well, I'm one of the early generation of Chinese professional practicing the profession called architecture. In other words, architect building, all kinds of buildings. I started my practice in Seattle area in 1972. That pretty much exposed my age, but I'm happily retired now, and in the past. Twenty years, I was fortunate enough to involve with a group of concerned Chinese living in Seattle about how to help the rural Chinese students to get a good education and prepare themselves to be what we anticipated to be a global citizen representing China. So your professional background. As I know about you, right, and because I know you for more than ten years, and I'm also involved in the education side. But your professional background is an architect, and having been doing that for many years, then how did you first evolved into that education-related projects you just mentioned? I retired from full-time practicing architecture. I was fortunate enough to know enough people in Seattle that. Say hey, what about China's、uh, rural area? And on top of that, we also have a fortune to many Chinese immigrant that came from area with poor school conditions. So that's why we talk about it. And then through a unique opportunity created by Northwest Chinese School in Bellevue, we found the need to have a formal organization to do it. That's why we formed it, the China Tomorrow Education Foundation.、Mm-hmm. So, China Tomorrow Education Foundation that is a five hundred one c three tax exempt、uh, organization. Well, from the history, I know that、uh, first you involved in the China rural education environment、uh, kind of projects that was、uh, back in the nineteen nineties. 
then the need of forming this organization become more and more clear. So can you tell us uh, which year at the end of you guys have formed this organization? Well, CTEF. Yeah, the birth of the foundation, so to speak. <laughs> it was the Northwest Chinese School principal back in the 1990s, centuries ago. He happened to have a college schoolmate in Gansu province. Through the communication, he learned as a tiny village school, two hours drive from Lanzhou, has no running water. And asked the principal here in Northwest Chinese School, can he do something about it? So during the Chinese New Year banquet, he brought up that needs, and immediately the parents and the students of that of the Chinese school, they raised about $1,500, U.S. dollars, and sent to this Lanzhou school, this school in off Lanzhou, to supply this water system. At the time, I happened to be a know about this project, but not directly involved with the Northwest Chinese school. But So the following year, they know that I, the uh, school people know that, oh, I'll be stopping by Hong Kong and and love to travel and asked me to stop by that Lanzhou school to see if the money is genuinely placed into the water system. So I took on that assignment and stopped by and it was the first experience for me to venture into rural China as well. And I was very impressed with photos and everything report back to the school in Seattle. And how did the environment look like for that school particularly? And the school building was okay, but what surprised me is even inside the schoolhouse, the floors are still dirt, uh, not concrete like we expected. And they clean up one room to host this visitor from foreign land. <laughs> I was totally or surprisingly nicely honored to be their first visitor from overseas. But since then, the Seattle school find out there's a lot more needs very similar or even in worst cases throughout the rural part of China. This is again back in 1999. That was the start of uh, thinking how shall we do a decent job to continue this effort. So that's the birth of uh, China Tomorrow Education Foundation. Yeah, and in short, we call it a CTEF. Mm -hmm. So since CTEF has established, uh, it's uh, 20 years now, um, can you tell us some numbers of uh, like uh, how many projects uh, you have done or the organization has done and what kind of projects? Well, early on, since the first one was a simple little water supply system for rural school, and after the establishment, then we have to face two major tasks on hand. One is locally in Seattle to raise the money to help what we like to do. And then the other big challenge is what we like to do is thousands and thousands of rural school need help. So how do we pick something that we are capable to handle? So 
whatever contact we have in China, rural China in those days, we try to collect information in the learning curve. Our first, I would say, five projects are all elementary school with one, as small as one classroom to four classroom. Mm -hmm. Because in those days, they call them Jiao Yu Dian. It's uh, four villages have maybe 20 kids in uh, first to fourth grade age. And all they need is one room school with one extra room for the teacher, with one teacher to stay. So the teacher lived, lived, lived in by that school. Their, yeah. Exactly like that movie that Zhang Yimou called Not One Less. <laughs> so the, the teacher just lived next to the schoolhouse. So with school projects experience, then we find out more requirement from various regions that we studied. For example, some school already had a decent building, school build, classroom buildings, but they don't have any books other than textbooks. So we venture into library. Mm. But it, library in China rural school is not the way we assume is a library. Basically, it's just a, a series of bookshelves okay. <laughs> with books. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so what other type of projects? So besides done? that, because of the village is so far away from the school building, the kids have to walk um, an hour or two through mountain trail or even crossing river. If you've seen some movie, they show the little kids have to cross river and then the, during flooding season, some students may even get drowned. So we find out they have dormitory for even as young as first and second grade or seven years old, eight years old kids to stay in the school during the weekday and only go home to the family in the village uh, on weekends. Under that condition, we find out the school sometimes simply empty one schoolroom and pack the kids sleeping on the floor during the, during the week. And each student only have a mattress and some uh, blankets. Again, that was a shock to us uh, from the U.S. That bring up the second needs is to build dormitories. Mm -hmm. And then recently, I was recent means like eight years ago, Chinese also, the government also started the uh, nutritious lunch program. And in some of the rural school we encountered, particularly in Guangxi that we were involved at the time, many of the rural school would completely say 150, 200 students, they don't have the kitchen facility to cook meals for entire school population. They used only have a tiny kitchen for the teacher to use. And the, some of the students who live in the school almost have to cook them like in camping with a couple <laughs> stones set up by the outside wall and had to fire, uh, use wood to, to cook their own meal every day. It's pretty primitive. So now that the school have to provide 100 or to 200 meals to all the students per day, the need of a good-sized kitchen and even a decent place to, for the student to eat their nutritious meal become a big challenge for many schools. So our focus about eight years ago, we also venture into building kitchens and dining room. 
So for this kitchens and dining room, what I heard from you is the government, Chinese government, provide funding for the nutrition meal for the meal itself, but they didn't provide the hardware, <laughs> which is places to cook and eat the meal. So you kind of CTF find the need, then we come in to fill in that hole. Yes. That's the advantage of us is we are small enough, and also we visit this, the actual situation in various areas that we've been to, which is we can say we have firsthand experience. Mm-hmm. And again, China is a big country. Central government have some good policy, but by the time it enter into province, county, and village level, some of them <laughs> lost its、uh, meaning. And the government requirement.、Mm-hmm. All right, it's time to take a quick break. We'll be back right away. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now back to this week's program. All right, we're back. So, Dennis, before we took the break, we. Talked about the history of CTF and also the kind of projects that many years ago, you know, from the early stage that we have started doing, focused on the you know hardware part, which is more like a building, different type of functional buildings for the school.、Mm. And I want to talk a little bit more about the operational side, right? How. Does CTF operate, and what kind of people are running this organization? And of course, I am part of the organization because I volunteer here <laughs> for more than ten years now. Let's get into that. CTF start up as normal charity organization,、uh, according to the regulation of、uh, Washington State. So we have, of course, the board of directors, president, vice president, treasurer. And, Secretary and, and so forth. Yeah,、But、and you were the president of since the beginning until like two、uh, thousand something. I forgot. Actually, I try not to, but then the early days with that group of volunteers, since I was the only one retired <laughs> at the time, <laughs> and also been to travel to China、uh, almost once a year just to either visit these project we have completed or to. Explore opportunity for new projects, so it was pretty tiring. <laughs>、mm-hmm. But I would say satisfying too, because I, doing something such a, as important as our mission statement that gave me the drive to do it. But back to the operating side, I mentioned earlier on we still have to focus on fundraising,、uh, which is 
major, major thing besides picking up school and sending money over to China.、Mm-hmm. And the f- I want to mention one thing: the foundation is really run by volunteers. All the member and、uh, all the people、mm-hmm. doing the day-to-day activities—they are volunteers. Nobody was paid by the foundation. And、uh, the other thing I also want to mention: people travel to China to visit、uh, those schools and look at the projects. They are all on their own expense. Like, Correct, Dennis. You go every year, <laughs> and it's all your own money for the well, trip. Well, <laughs> for my case, it, it's in fact it's. Almost applicable to all the、uh, board member who visited Ch-、uh, the school. Usually, we always piggyback with our annual vacation time. For example, I visit China at least once a year is because not so purposely going to the village, but because I have to go back to Hong Kong or go to China for other family matters, and then it just make a side trip. And those circumstances, of course, we are on our own expense. The good news is, if you make a regular holidays to China and take a side trip to visit the school, the side trip cost is pretty minimal, so it's affordable as long as you already have a plan to visit China on other purpose, anyways, business or or family. So fortunate enough, the last few years we always have some board member members like to return home during summertime, during spring break. To visit the family and then take a side trip to、uh, visit the school, because it is important both way.、Uh, one is for our benefits to double check the project that we funded is the money going to the right place, is the、uh, project completed、uh, properly. On the other purpose is to show the local school officials that we are serious group that we visit, not just. Rich uncle from USA send money、mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't follow up on what they do, so it, it works pretty well this way with this field trip. That nice to have the board member use their own money and the time and the time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but、uh, from all the report we see, it's always very rewarding for everybody. Even though I remember one time,、uh, our current president. Gashin, he went to、uh, Guizhou. She came back with sunburn <laughs> and with mosquito bites all over. But all those minor disturbing incidents don't match up with the satisfaction by seeing what our foundation accomplished to those、uh, school children. Mm-hmm. I remember、uh, I saw pictures of you and also pictures of Wei Shao, who is also at that time maybe in his sixties,、uh, because his hair is gray as well. <laughs> you know, those pictures of you guys、uh, walking, climbing the mountains, right, to in order to get to those village schools. The transportation was not easy. Yes, talking about actual trips, for example. The most of our school are in the village and rural area, but we all have our own adventure into those、uh, village area. And it's not, of course, the school district. Each one we help have their own four wheel drive. So, of course, the school also appreciate our help too. So they usually arrange, make sure that there is four wheel drive jeep or some sort of car to take us. And then, some school are even. Beyond 
the road system that we have to climb. Like we shall climb some few, and then in uh, Guangxi, I have to climb a few because you can see that they said, okay, this is a row, and then you, they point down the, a valley, said, okay, the school building is way down the valley, so we have to climb down into yeah. the village school. So we can also imagine those school kids that go to school every day, mm-hmm. they did the same climbing every day. Every day. Oh, that's great. I think uh, those are the memory you will never forget. <laughs> All right, it's time to take another quick break, and we'll be back right away. China is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China. From business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students, you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career. Listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For business sake, you need to tune in. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. We are back. This is In China with Michelle Zhou. And I'm talking to Dennis Su, who is an architect, had a lot of experience and very heavily involved in rural China schools through China Tomorrow Education Foundation. All right, Dennis, I want to now talk about, uh, ask you a question that I think many people have asked me about. The question is, so Dennis, now China is rich, become the second uh, largest economy entity in the world, and you see a lot of Chinese visitors coming to the U.S. buying all kinds of luxury goods. And why does CTF still exist, and why do people need to donate and support the rural China education? Well, from my experience, even though China is growing fast, by leaps and bounds, economically. But we have visitors come back from China and tell us sometime in certain region, just within an hour drive outside the city, you still can see certain poor conditions. Like I remember in Guizhou, eastern part of Guizhou, the highways are nice, but once you get off the highway into the village, and the building are still falling down, wooden building. And the last two school buildings we built in Guizhou, the old one we're replacing, are terrible. The central policy sometimes cannot fully implement it in the village level, so that still leaves a lot of what we call a falling through the cracks projects. But we have to find them. Mainly, like I said, the library system. Many schools now have a decent school building. The student has a decent classroom. But find out there's lack of books other than the textbooks issued by the school. So we like to encourage the student to broaden their knowledge around the world and or even for earlier kids, just little simple fairy tale story books. We 
are lucky. China Tomorrow Education Foundation is lucky to have publishers in major city to give us big discount on children's book to supply those library. At the classroom corner, they set up bookshelf full of books that meet that particular class level. The other we find out is disparity in teacher payment. Again, China is rich. Our education system may be very well organized by now, but when it comes down to payroll, we find out many school teacher in village barely making what they call a living salary, especially those with big family. We heard horror story that some teacher, they have to leave this teaching post in village and go to big city to make more money. And in that case, teacher quality in the village level will drop because the good teachers are gone. So us, the mission is never ended. The Chinese village rural area desperately still need all kinds of help. And thanks to our experience, China Tomorrow Education Foundation's contact, we still find out many, many rural schools still need the program that I mentioned, that the central government or the so-called the rich, uh, the rich coastal city lifestyle has not been uh, filtered down to the uh, village level. The remote rural areas still has a lot to catch up with the so-called the prosperous city inside China. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I saw the trend or the program's changes uh, through these years that uh, CTEF is carrying. It's really adjusting its uh, programs towards the trend, towards the changes in China to complement the government efforts. I think uh, you mentioned the teachers program, which is a teacher award to support the teachers, the good teachers, that uh, um, so that they can stay uh, in the villages to continue their, you know, job to continue their mission, right? Yeah, to okay. help the kids, and also we have programs uh, like one plus one kind of support to really targeting individual students that uh, their family are poor and they you know, need some financial support to help them complete their education in the high school and then you know, support them so yep. that they can get to college. Yep. As the program from our initial mission, we have to evolve into the new program to adjust to the needs. So just like Michelle mentioned, the one plus one, remember we, in our original mission is to help the rural elementary school. But because the one plus one is so important, when our students make it to high school and even uh, qualify to go to college, but because of the family's financial situation, they also need help. So which open a uh, window for CTF to look into, and we are uh, currently also involved with helping those, selecting and helping those students. Mm -hmm. that go to college. Yeah, one last question here is about the um, selection of those teachers or students or the projects. Uh, you mentioned uh, through some organizations uh, from early years, you know, we select through some organizations or partners in China. And then for the students and the teachers, uh, can you talk about uh, how can we make sure 
we are selecting the right type of people that really need help. Well, and who are the volunteers doing that? Establish a very uh, thorough system in selecting those students in need of financial help. Uh, we establish forms, application forms that the local school teachers, uh, parents, and our own volunteers in China to verify their information and the application. And then locally in Seattle, we also have a team to review those applications and to make sure the information are correct and verify with the Chinese uh, volunteer inside China to make sure that's correct, financial help. So we verify every year? Verify every year and school year to school year. Similar to uh, with that is the teacher award. Even though the teacher award is much less uh, in, as far as individuals, applicants, compared to the students' one plus one system, but still we went through a volunteer inside China to double check the information before sent over to Seattle. And our vice president, Wei Xiao, who happened to have an office in Hangzhou, that's a major, major help for uh, this kind of program to carry on between uh, China and, and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's a, a very thorough system to to do this work and to make sure all the money that uh, being donate uh, all the donated money is being used uh, in the right way. Okay, I think that's the end of today's program. Thanks uh, our audience uh, for being here together with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you have opportunity to visit our website, ctef.org, and learn more about our programs. Thank you. Today we have talked about uh, the rural China education environment, and uh, we also talked about uh, the effort that uh, China Tomorrow Education Foundation has been doing over the 20 years to support that. I want to send a special thank you to our guest, uh, Dennis Su. Thank Uh, you. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. See you next time. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhou. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 